It's good to see all of you out this morning. Um, if you got your Bibles, and I pray that you do, go ahead and be turning to Ephesians chapter 4. The focus of our message this morning will be specifically verse 25, but we're going to read just for context uh, verse 17 through verse 25. I want to uh, say again, I'll repeat this just because Nick's already said it, but um, I want to make sure that um, everybody gets on board that wants to be on board. Uh, as we said earlier, Miss Sue Young has had an accident. Um, we want to take care of them for a, for a little while, and with her being down and with... Um, uh, Mr. Uh, Gerald being down as well, if if you can provide a meal for them one night just to go by, you may have to stay a few minutes now. They like to talk, but um, but uh, I know that they would appreciate that. And uh, so if you want to get a, be a part of that, Miss Tara Burchell, Tara, raise your hand where everybody knows where you're at, right there. Go see Miss Tara, and uh, she will help you get on the list um, to get scheduled for a day to where you can help for that. Also, directly after church, I'd like to meet with anybody that would like to volunteer or help with Children's Church if we start it back during our worship service. Um, three minutes. I basically just need your name. I just need to be able to see if we're going to have a group that's that I can depend on. I hate to say it that way, but y'all know what I mean. I need to see if I've got a group that I can depend on to, to uh, be able to space this out so that whoever volunteers doesn't have to be in there, but just every so often. Um, so if you would be willing to volunteer for that, come see me right after services and just let me put your name on the list. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. If you have the means and you're able, I'd like to ask you to stand as we give reverence to reading this Word of God. If you need to remain seated, um, that's okay. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. If you're there, say Amen. Here we go. Now this I say and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. They are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. And here's the truth. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You can be seated. <clears throat> and as you're seated, let's uh, pray one more time, please. Father, before we go any further, this is, um, this is Your Word. Father, I know that it only accomplishes Your purpose if You send it out to do what You mean for it to do. Father, I come to You right now and I ask God that, um, Lord, this would not be a, um, a show for entertainment. Father, I pray that this would uh, simply be Your Word spoken, Father, and I pray that the truth of it is heard, and I pray that we are 
able to come out of our graves of sin and death and put on the new man that's created after Your likeness. And so Father, I pray this morning that You would help us to take each sin in our life seriously, God. Father, that whether it seems like a small little sin or it's a great huge sin, whatever it looks like in our life, Father, I just pray that You would help us to take every sin seriously. And that, Father, we truly would put off the old man that's corrupt through deceitful desires and put on the new man that's created after Your likeness in righteousness and true holiness. And so, Father, I pray this morning that You would help us to begin that process. God, we ask You for this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, I began a teaching series on what it means to be born again. And if uh, those of you that were here will remember, you'll remember that we understood that we have hearts and minds that have been given over to a fleshly nature, to a sinful nature. Hearts and minds that refuse and don't want to acknowledge God in our lives, but we only want what we want, and we want to be God of our own lives. And the Bible tells us that because of that, we are dead. And if we are dead in our trespasses and sins, then Jesus... What he says is absolutely true. We know it is, but he said, unless you are born again, you cannot enter, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And so we learn that what we need is we need God to give us a new heart. We need God to give us a new mind. We need God to open our eyes to our sin condition so that we can turn away from our sin and follow Him. He cleanses us, He makes us whole, and He puts us, as we sung just a minute ago, we come awake, come awake, we rise up from the grave in the same way that Christ has risen from the grave. Our old man is buried with Him, our sins are buried with Him, He washes us clean, and we rise up to walk in a new life that's created after the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. To show that to you, look at Ezekiel chapter 36. You don't have to turn there. We'll put it up here for you. But in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 through 27, look what God promised us in the Old Testament. This is one place of many. He said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanliness, and from all of your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a what? A new heart. And I will give you a new spirit that I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And I will cause you to walk in my statues and to be careful to obey my rules. This is a picture of what it means to be born again. So here's the way it works. The Word of God is spoken to you because that's how God creates life. He speaks and guess what happens? No matter what He says, let there be light, what is there? Let there come from the earth an abundance of and whatever it is, that's what happens. The Word of God is spoken to us. And we hear this Word. And as we hear this Word, He cleanses us with the water of the Word He cleanses us by forgiving us and washing away all of our sins in the death burial of of Jesus Christ. And then He puts His Spirit within us and He brings us to life so that we can now see 
who He is and who we are, and we can now live in His statutes and His rules and we can follow Him on the path that He gives us. And that's what it means to be born again. Jesus described it like He said, you must be born from above. You must be born of the Spirit. It's not simply something that we just come up and pray a prayer. No, it's when God literally opens your eyes. And notice in these verses right here, God says, I will do this. I will cleanse you. I will make you clean from all of your uncleanliness. I will give you a new mind. I will give you a new heart. I will put my Spirit within you. This is something that happens when you hear the Word of God. I wish I had time this morning to go over to Ezekiel chapter 37. Y'all remember the valley of the dry bones? All right. I wish y'all would go home and read that and see what that is. Because right after he gives this promise, he shows Ezekiel what it looks like. And he sets him in this valley of dry bones and he says, Son of man, can these bones live? Well, what's the problem with dry bones? They're dead, right? They're dry. They have no flesh. They have no heart. They have no mind. They are dead. Ezekiel looks at them and his answer should have been, God, there's no way that these bones can live unless it's something that you do. And Ezekiel looks back at God and he says, God, you know whether they can live or not. And God says, Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do. Prophesy to these bones. Say to these bones, O bones, hear the word of the Lord. Again, God speaks, right? Hear the word of the Lord. And then He says, here's the word of the Lord. I will cause breath to enter you. I will cause flesh to grow up around your bones. I will bring you to life and I will cause you to walk in My ways. And so what you see is a beautiful picture of what God does in our life whenever we are truly born again. And unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember that time in your life whenever God opened your eyes to what it meant to be a sinner? When He broke your heart to understand where you stood with Him. And He drew you through the gospel of Jesus Christ to believe on Him and to trust in Him by faith that the death and burial of Jesus Christ has paid for all of my sins, past, present, and future. And just as He has risen from the dead, He has given me new life to follow Him and walk in Him. And I have been a changed person ever since. If you don't know what I'm talking about this morning, I'm telling you, you've not been born again. And I'm telling you, you need to hear the gospel. You need to repent of your sin. And you need to turn to Him and believe and walk in His ways. But what comes next after being born again? Sanctification. He causes us to walk in His statutes. He causes us to be careful to obey His rules. I want you to understand, when you say you came up here and prayed a prayer and said, I've been born again, but nothing changed, You're lacking evidence to say that God has put a new spirit in you, that God has put a new mind in you, that God has put a new heart in you. Y'all tracking with me this morning? And so there is reason to examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Sanctification is the process in which God 
day by day conforms you to the image of His Son, as we just read in Ephesians. It is a new man that you put on that is created. I love the way that Paul put that. It's it's a creation of God. God speaks, we hear from His Word, we put it on, and it is. It is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And you should see that taking place in your life. And so what we see this morning is the practical application of the sanctification process. So Paul is going to lay out some things and over the next several weeks we're going to spend in the Word of God our time examining the application of what sanctification looks like. Now it's important you understand this. I'm not talking about making you a better human being. Paul is very careful to lay out that you must first be born again, learn from Jesus, the truth is in Jesus. You have to have a new mind because the Gentiles are walking in their old mind. You have to have a new heart because they're darkened in their old hearts. Alright? And so, if you are not first born again, then you're changing things that are not going to amount for anything. We're not interested in behavioral modification. We're interested in Holy Spirit regeneration or new life being born again and Holy Spirit sanctification or the process in which you become more and more like God. Alright? And so the first one we start with this morning is in verse 25. And notice what he says. I love the first word. What's the very first word of of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25? Therefore... And I pray you've got your Bibles because we don't let them put the main text on the screens because we want you tracking in your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles, everybody's got a phone. I mean, some of y'all's five-year-old kids got phones. So you can get get a Bible, All right, There's no excuse. Um, So track with me here. But he says the first word in verse 25 is therefore, wherefore, however your translation reads it. The point is, it points you back to understand. Everything I'm telling you is based on the understanding that you are putting off the old because you've learned the truth in Jesus. And it's based on the understanding that you are putting on the new created after the likeness of God, right? So therefore, based on that understanding, therefore, having put away falsehood, or another word for that is what? Lying. Lying. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Let me tell you how this is going to go this morning. It is going to go... I'm going to outline the text for you. I want you to see what he's doing in the text. So the first thing, there are three parts this outline. The first part of the text is, here's what we're putting away. Therefore, here's what we're putting away. We're putting off this old. The second part of the text is, in the outline says, this is what we're putting on in the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. The last part of the text is, this is why I'm telling you to do this. And what you're going to see is that same outline will apply to every text from here on out, pretty much through the end of the book, honestly. 
This is the practical application of what the sanctification process looks like in a Christian's life. All right? And then finally, at the end, whenever I give you the reasons why we are to put this off and put this on, I'm going to give you two more biblical reasons that Paul doesn't mention, but God does in other places in His Word. So, first and foremost, what are we to put off? Notice what he says again. Therefore, having put away lying, put away falsehood. Now, this seems strange to me that out of all the sins that this um, um, Ephesian church was probably dealing with, I mean, they were uh, pagans before this that were um, idolaters and sexually immoral, and out of all the sins, and he's going to address those, but it seems strange to me that lying is the one that he started with, right? I mean, because let's just be honest. Lying is really, it's sort of the, kind of the smaller in our minds, right? It's not that it's really smaller, but in our minds, if you're going to look and say, okay, this person is a liar and this person is an adulterer, we're looking at it, we're going, the lie... Yeah, okay, we can get past that. It's a little bit harder to get past the other one. And so it was strange to me that I saw this, and we're going to see why he starts here in just a minute. But first off, I want to look at this. Why do we lie? Go back to verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 4 again. Because remember, we're putting off the old self, right? So we're putting away something that belongs to the old self. So the first reason we lie is because it belongs to the old man that's dead in sins and trespasses, alright? The second reason we lie is because it is part of our former manner of life that is a corrupt man, and it's corrupt through what? Deceitful desires. It's corrupt through deceitful desires. What does it mean to deceive? To lie, right? It means, here's the definition for it, to give a false impression, to mislead by false appearance, to cause to believe what is not true. That is the kind of desires that this old man is corrupt through. And we are trying to put off this old man and his ways. Now think about it. We lie for many reasons. And I'm just going to go on and tell you this morning, um, I would ask you to raise your hand, everybody in here that's a liar, but somebody might not raise your hand and then I'm going to have to call you. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume that all of you know that yes, you are liars. I'm a liar. I have, I have been guilty many times in my life of giving false appearances, of trying to put on things in a way that I know that's not reality. All right, But let me give you a few reasons why people lie. We lie to deceive other people into believing something we want them to believe. We lie sometimes to deceive ourselves because we don't want to believe what's true. Right? We um, usually want to deceive because of a selfish pride that's in us or because we don't like the truth in some way. We want others to think highly of us and so we... We say things and we exaggerate things and we say, say that we have things that we don't really have or did things that we haven't really done. Um, 
We want to be put on a pedestal. And so when you're at your jobs, you always want people to see everything that you do and then even probably take credit sometimes for things that you didn't do because you want, you want to be looked at as the best in what you do. Uh, we lie about the size fish we caught. Where's Hunter at? Hunter, how big was that fish you caught yesterday? Look here, he said something like this. How big was it, Nick? About that big, yeah. <laughs> and if Austin were in here, I think he is in here. Austin, how big was Mama's fish? You don't know. Well, this morning he told me, before he knew what I was preaching on, he told me, Mama caught a fish. She said it was about that big and that big. And I said, wow. And Chassie's over at the refrigerator just laughing because she knew that that's not exactly the size. It's close, but a little off. And so... We lie about the, the deer we shot last year or the deer that, that we let walk. How many of y'all let a deer walk last year? It's the biggest. Look at Daniel's back there going, he was this big. I mean, we, we lie about a vehicle price that we bought because we want people to think we got a smoking deal, right? We lie about top speeds of vehicles. We lie about sick days. We lie about how sick we are. Or, some of y'all men, y'all get the men flu every now and then, we lie about how sick we are, or sometimes we lie about how sick we're not. Anybody ever ask you how, uh, how you're feeling? Oh, I feel okay, I feel good. And then yet, the truth of the matter is you're dying inside. Alright? We lie about how many hours we work at work. We lie about... I didn't mean to look at you, Nick, I'm sorry. <laughs> We lie about how much money we make. We lie about um, our responsibilities at our job. Like for instance, the garbage man fills out his resume and he puts down he's a public sanitation technician. Or the windshield replacer says he's a vision clearance engineer. And so, and those are real titles. I looked them up, I'm telling you. Those are real titles. Alright? We lie about our age. We lie about how much uh, we weigh. We lie about how much time we spend sleeping, watching TV, how long we've been playing on Facebook, on the phone. Uh, we lie about um, uh, how often we exercise, how often we go to the gym. We lie about um, how tall we are. Uh, we lie about how hard it was for us as kids. Any of y'all ever talk to your kids? When I was a kid, I went to school, walked uphill both ways, barefoot in the snow. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I milked a hundred cows before I got up to go to school. All right. We lie about picking up rocks every day as kids. We lie about, um, I mean, we lie about, uh, there's all kinds of reasons why we lie. I could go on and on and on. We lie because we're jealous of others. We lie to, um, to boast about things we've done. Uh, so we lie to mar someone's character. We lie to impress others. There are many reasons. Psalm 58.3 says, we come from the womb as liars. Look at this right here. The wicked are estranged from where? The womb. They go astray from birth doing what? You know that probably one of the very first expressions of your sinful heart when you're a child is that you're a liar. Any of y'all parents in here ever, ever went to your kid and say, did you do this? And what are they doing? At two or three years old, they're going. At 21 years old, they're doing something. <laughs> All right. 
Y'all get into confession a little bit too soon, so slow down. You know, and the Ephesians, they lied for all of these reasons, and they were also lying because there were some people that were in this that were probably tax collectors, and they were trying to take more than what was actually required of the taxes. Uh, they traded with one another. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 13 to 16, this has always been a bad problem in trading. God had to tell them, you shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, a large and a small. You know why they had a large and a small? Was because whenever they were buying, they used the small weight. Whenever they were selling, what did they use? The large weight. And so they were deceiving. They were liars. You shall not have in your, in your house two kinds of measures, a large and a small. In other words, you shouldn't have in your house a... Um, they had um, epaws, I believe is what they were called, but they were baskets that they carried the grain in or baths that they carried the oil or the water in and they were measuring jars and they would have a big one to, for, um, for selling and they would have a, a small one for buying and so a full and a fair weight you shall have, a full and a fair measure you shall have that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving you. And so... It is very important that you understand. Now, let me finish this. For all who do such things, all who act dishonestly or lying, correct, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Lying is a very serious offense. And we take it so lightly today because the truth of the matter is it's really become part of our culture, right? Our culture. We go to sell something. That transmission's been slipping for a long time. That guy test drives it. What do you say? I didn't even know it was doing that. Probably just needs a little fluid. You top it off with oil before you let the person come look at it because you don't want to know how much oil it's using. I mean, there are so many ways that we still do this in our society today. I could take you to other Scriptures, but I'm not going to tell you. But it was a common problem for them to lie, to, to gain for themselves in some way. Look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 14. <clears throat> I love this Scripture. Bad, bad, says the buyer. <laughs> Think about it. What's he saying there? When you go to look at something, what are you doing? you got to point out everything. Well, I'm going to have to do this, and... Um, yeah, that's got to be fixed and that's got to be replaced. And uh, man, this is just, I just can't, can't do this. Bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes away, what does he do? This is nothing new. Dishonesty, lying is something that the truth of the matter is, it's part of our old nature, part of our old man. And we have to be careful that we understand that that's something that we put off. Paul says here, Put this kind of thing away. Be who you are. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are now new. Be who you are. Be honest. Deal honestly with each other. Lying belongs to the old man and those deceitful desires. And so that's the first thing we're putting off. What are we putting on? Next in verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 4, he says... And instead of lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. So we have to, this is something you have a responsibility to do. You do understand 
that it's not going to come natural to you to just be truthful about everything. No, listen, 90% of you in here have bought a vehicle and went to the tax place and you gave $20,000 for the vehicle and what would you tell them you paid for it? <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I, that is, ain't, that, ain't that the way we go. We always try to find some way of gaining for ourselves. Listen, I struggle with it every time, especially when I buy a used vehicle. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I've done paid taxes on this thing once. Yeah, somebody has, that's right. And now we got to turn around and we pay taxes on this thing again. But what did Jesus say about taxes? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and render unto God what is God's. We speak the truth, and we are honest in our dealings. And so we have to put this on. We have to recognize it and make a decision to actually put it on. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. We are being created in the likeness of God, remember? Created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And you need to understand, is God a God of lies? God is a God of truth. Look at Zechariah chapter 8 verse 16 and we'll have it up here again. These are the things that you shall do. What's the first one? Speak the truth to one another. That is the kind of God that He is. He is a God of truth and there is no lie found in Him whatsoever. It is impossible for God to lie. Look at John chapter 16 verse 13. You'll see the other reason why. When the Spirit of what? Truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. So here again we see God has put His Spirit in you and His Spirit is the Spirit of what? Truth. And His job is to guide you into all truth. And so there should be something inside of you that says, I have a desire, a deceitful desire, yes, to lie, yet He's guiding me to be truthful because I know that it's not right. And let me tell you something, the times that I have went up to the, the clerk's office and wrote on that paper things that I knew was false, I pushed it down, but I knew it wasn't right. I knew, and I pushed it back as far as I could. On my job at work, I have a job, I've been there for 17 years, I treat water. I have to do tests every day, and for 17 years, this water has not changed. For 17 years, I do these same tests every day, day after day, sometimes multiple times a day, and nothing ever changes. And the temptation is to just go to the computer and plug the numbers in because I know what they're going to be. But there is something inside of me that says, Kevin, you know that's a lie because you did not do the tests. And so, even though I've got 17 years of doing this, there is something inside of me that guides me to go the right way. And it should be the same way with each one of you. And so we have to put off the things that are old 
and we put on the new creation that's made after the likeness of God. The Spirit of truth that's in us that guides us. This is the reason why in Ephesians chapter 4, I didn't give you this one, but since you're there, look at verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. This is why he stops and he says, he adds this little tidbit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, if you are not taking on the responsibility to put off the old and to put on the new, what does it do to the Holy Spirit that He's put inside of you? Grieves Him. That word literally means to cause deep emotional pain. Deep emotional sorrow. You grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so we have to be actively pursuing putting off things like lying and putting on being truthful with one another. So, <clears throat> the third step. Here's the reason why we put off lying and we put on the truth. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, <coughs> he says this, <clears throat> Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now here's the reason why Paul says it's important that you put off lying and you put on speaking the truth. <clears throat> we are members one of another. God has made us one body in Jesus Christ. Now let me explain it to you. Let me walk you through so you see this. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, the first verse. Because I want you to see Ephesians chapter 4 as a whole chapter, not just a single verse that we're looking at here. You'll see why he says, put away lying. In Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 1 through 6. <clears throat> I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. What is he trying to get across here? One. In Christ, you have been brought together to be one body with Him being the head. Why? Well, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But grace was given to who? Each one. So yes, we are one body under one head, but grace or gifts have been given to each one of you. Why? Go down with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Why did He give us each individual gifts? <clears throat> Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of who? <clears throat> Y'all tracking with Him through Ephesians chapter 4? we got to maintain the unity. Because God has made us one. And the reason why He made us one is because He gifted each one of you and put you together so that as we use our gifts toward one another, 
we all grow until we attain to the fullness of the stature of the measure of the Son of God. Keep going with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 to 16. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto Him who is the head. So here's the head of this one body, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, what happens? Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here's the point. <clears throat> God has made you one body with Christ Jesus being the head. He has put you together and gifted each individual person. Grace was given to each one. And when each part of the body, beginning with the head, and every joint that holds it together, when each part does its share, growth occurs until we reach the goal of becoming created in the likeness of the stature of Jesus Christ, the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is what we're doing here. Y'all with me? What happens if all of a sudden we start lying to one another? The unity is not maintained, is it? Do you want to sit and talk about the deep things of Jesus with somebody that lies to your face? That's right. <clears throat> so one of the first things, and think about this this church that we're dealing with here. This church is a church that is full of Jews and Gentiles. What do Jews and Gentiles have in common? <laughs> Hatred for one another, right? And so now they're coming together and they're trying to figure out, what do you think a Gentile's doing? He's in there and he's probably talking about how he can relate to the Jewish person and he's, he's, just, he's just making stuff up. They're probably in there, literally, they're lying to one another. They're trading. You know, Ephesians was a huge trading town. It was a, it was a trading post, a central uh, port for people to do their trading. And so, whenever people were trading, don't you know that they were still using large and small weights? Large and small measures? I mean, they were, they were being dishonest with each other, I'm sure, in many ways. And Paul comes on the scene and the very first thing he says, guys, you got to put off lying to each other. you got to put on speaking the truth to each other. Because you're members, one of another. And God has made you one, one body. And He's gifted each one of you. And if you let something like a lie get in between this, you don't maintain the unity. You destroy the unity. And if you destroy the unity, and He urges, He begs us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, He said, I beg you to walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called with humility, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering. I'm begging you, maintain the unity because God has made you one and He's gifted you each to grow until we reach the goal of this new creation in the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. You're members one of another. That's the first reason. Second reason, Paul doesn't give it, but the Bible does. Here's the second reason why we have to put away lying. 
God hates lying. Look at uh, Psalm chapter 5, verse 6. <clears throat> Look what God says about those who lie. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and what? The deceitful man. You know what abhors means? <laughs> hates it with a passion. God absolutely hates a lie. You know why? That's how all this started. Satan began this thing when he stepped up and said, hey, I can be like the Most High. I'm better than God. I will set my throne above His throne. I will exalt my name above His. And you know what? A third of the angels believed Him. Believed Him. And He drug them all with Him. And then you know what He did when He got down here to the garden? He came to Adam and Eve and He said, Hey, did God really say that you'll die if you eat this fruit? You won't surely die. No, God just knows that if you eat it, you will be like Him. In other words, He lied to them to help them, to, to, to try to deceive them into eating this fruit. You're not going to die. You're just going to be like God. The same lie that He told in the beginning. And guess what happened to mankind as a result of that lie? Nothing good comes from a lie. How many of you have been in a situation in your life where you told one lie and then what happens next? Here we go. Anybody ever ever called you and you told your kids, um, oh, tell them I'm not home. <laughs> Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. And then when your kid answers the phone, they say, well, I'm sitting out in your driveway. Now what do you do? Oh, I'm sorry, I was in the shower. Or here we go. So, I mean, the point being is that nothing good ever comes from a lie. God hates it. Look at Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 17. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes and what? A lying tongue. I'm not going to go any further than that because that proves my point. Look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all what? Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Revelation 22, verse 15. Outside of the heavens of the kingdom of God are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices what? Falsehood. God hates a lie. That brings me to my next point. The last one. The consequences of your lies are not worth the temporary satisfaction you get from lying. You may lie to, and you may make somebody think more highly of you than what you, than what you really are. You may make them think about what a good deal you got on your, your car or, or whatever it is. You, you may get to pocket a few thousand dollars from, from, um, not writing the right, the, what you really 
paid for it on your tax form. But that temporary satisfaction is not worth the eternal consequences that someone will have to pay that practices lying. Let me tell you. Job chapter 20, verse 12. Look what he says. These are my last few Scriptures. Though evil is sweet in his mouth. Because it is at first, right? At first, evil tastes sweet. Let me tell you something. When I walked away and I only had to pay half of what I was going to have to pay, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's sweet, but look what happens. Though he hides it under his tongue, in verse, go to verse 13 if I gave it to you. I probably didn't give it to you. Here's what it says. But afterwards, it becomes like gravel in his mouth. Now, here's the difference. You ever chewed on something sweet? And then what would it be like to go from that to chewing on gravel? In other words, it may begins, begins as something that is sweet, but it turns into something that breaks your teeth. <laughs> it turns into something that is very uncomfortable. The consequences are not worth the temporary satisfaction. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 6. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 6. I done messed him up up there, so y'all don't blame it on him. Blame it on me. Let me get there. Alright, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 6. Listen to what this says. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. A fleeting vapor. What's a fleeting vapor? The satisfaction you got from it, how long did it last? How long did it take you to spend that, that little bit of money you saved on that? Didn't take long, did it? Alright. And a snare of death. And then finally, you could go back to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, which you've already read. The point being is that those who love a lie practice falsehood, and those that are never converted to put off the old and put on the new in the likeness of God, the truth of the matter is, they are going to be outside of the gates of heaven in the lake of fire where they will burn for an eternity because it will prove that they were not born again but instead they were still the old corrupt man who lived and practiced their falsehood and their sins. <clears throat> In closing this morning, you have a new nature if indeed you have been born again. God has opened your eyes to your sin. God has given you a spirit of truth inside of you and He's guiding you in His ways so that you will be careful to follow Him. Yes, you can grieve Him. I'm not saying that you can't sin, that a Christian won't tell lies. Yes, He will. But let me tell you something. It'll grieve the Holy Spirit and it'll grieve you. And a true Christian is going to put away this falsehood, to put away this lying. And a true Christian is going to put on speaking truth with his neighbor, primarily because you are members one of another. And because God hates the lie. And because the temporary satisfaction you get from it is not worth the ultimate consequences that are going to come at the end.
So no matter how you feel about it this morning, there's a reason why the Apostle Paul started with putting away something as simple as lying. Because lying is not simple. It is a serious sin. And it's something that I think we've grown too comfortable with, especially those little, what we call them? Those little white lies. Put it away. Put on speaking truth with your neighbor and prove that you have been born again and that the Spirit of truth abides in you and that He's guiding you in the right way.